Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another year of the 1010 Project Podcast. Happy 2023. My name is Josh Turner. Uh, and here in a few minutes, we're going to be jumping into our first interview of the year with my good friend, Wayne Francis. Uh, but before we do, let me tell you about one thing that we're super excited about. Uh, in March of 2023, obviously, we are launching two new projects. Uh, the first one is actually already full, but March 3rd through March 6th, we actually have a couple of spots available to start a year with the 1010 Project. We will be together in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, snowmobiling. And once again, guys, I want you to understand that we really use these excursions, these adventures to help uh, facilitate radical transparency. And so, man, we want to encourage you, if you're interested in jumping on the project starting March 3rd, you can go to 1010project.com and check that out. Uh, the other thing that we're super excited about is, man, because of some of our partners and our sponsors, we've been able to cut costs for guys going into 2023. We'll be launching some more projects throughout the year, but if you're interested, uh, you can go to the website. 1010project.com. You can fill out the form. Myself or my business partner, Tyler, uh, will give you a call and figure out if 1010 is right for you. Um, but without further ado, as we jump into 2023, let's start with an awesome interview by my good friend, Wayne Francis. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another 1010 podcast. And if you don't remember, it is based off of Ecclesiastes 1010. And the way that we say it is a dull axe requires more work. So use wisdom to sharpen the blade. And I'm excited, not only because I get to interview one of my friends, but my son loves you, bro, like so much. That's and uh, so last night, he, uh, he uses my office for school. He's in college. And he came out of my office. He goes, are you hanging out with Wayne Francis? And I was like, I'm doing an interview with him tomorrow. He goes, oh, dang, man, I wanted to hang with him. And so, ladies oh. and gentlemen, we have Wayne Francis, pastor, preacher, uh, author, fashion <laughs> icon. Uh, so, dude, I'm so, thank you for taking the time to hang out with me. Let me ask, let me ask you some questions. Um, I honor, man. So um, here's what I want to ask you first starting off. And so what we're going to do is we're going to run through 10 questions. We're either going to run out of time or we're going to run out of questions. One of the Let's ways. Get it. Um, dude, I want to know, you've been on a kind of a crazy ministry journey, especially here recently with Life Church and Pastor John Seedling. Can you talk about that a little bit and what that your ministry journey has looked like for those listeners? Yeah, I've been pastoring for 12 years. We started a church in New York, um, right outside of Manhattan in the Bronx, just about a half an hour north of uh, New York City and um, grinded yeah. for a lot of years. Um, around 20, 2017, I met um, John and Leslie Siebling at who are my pastors at um, an ARC conference. Yep. And um, we just built a relationship. It was a friendship to begin with. It wasn't like, hey, why don't we do this together? But out of this kind of divine flow, this connection that we've had, he uh, started to approach me about, hey, what would it look like if we worked together? And I was like, bro, I ain't moving to no Memphis, no, Tennessee. Dog. I'm uh -huh. not even about that life. No. <laughs> no hate on Memphis. Well, I'm just saying. I'm no, just no. The Lord just needed to show up in a bush on fire for you to move to Memphis. Yeah, yeah, I get 100%. it. I get it. And so uh, we started having these conversations. He sent me a text one day and said, look, I can't shake the feeling that we should be working together. What if you stayed in New York, joined my team, help us scale our church as a whole. And, um, you know, you could do live preaching and so on. You become a location of the life church and we helped you move to the next level, which included uh, purchasing a building. We had been a portable church for 10 years, bro. And God, God be with you, dog. 
Oh my gosh, it was no joke. And so um, in 2019, we merged our churches, just fast tracking 2020, the world shut down. Uh, March 2020, we bought our first permanent building, and in just a few weeks, we'll be yeah. opening that up as the Life Church in New York. So let me ask you a question. Do you think with 2020, and I know this is all hypothetical, right? With 2020 happening, do you think if it had not been for coming up under the covering of Life Church that you guys would have been able to make it in New York? Um, That's kind of hard to say because there's a possibility. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that we would have emerged with strength. Yeah. I think that we would have been on fumes um, at best because the beautiful thing about merging and announcing before the pandemic was that we had something to look forward to. Yeah. Purchasing the building was the proverbial kind of carrot that yeah. we emerge out of it. So um, we probably would have existed, but it would be like a smattering of people. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't yeah, be something it. that could generate momentum easily. It, it's just cool to hear. Like, I didn't even know that how, we look at it and we say, okay, well, the Lord knew what was coming in 2020. And then 2019, he actually sets you up in a place where you're able to like walk through it in health. And, and when a lot of churches are freaking out, trying to figure out what to do, you guys actually had something to look forward to yeah. moving into a building. And uh, I just yeah. think that's really cool. Certainly it, it provided us with way more strength. It would have yeah. been, it would have been way more difficult for me to keep a church together Um in a, in a holistic way without yeah. coming to the life church flow and the strength of it. A hundred percent. So tell me like, you know, I listed all the things that you do, fashion icon, author, oh, all whatever. these different things. Um, bro, if I dressed like you, I mean, cause you dress cool, but you pull it off. I'm just a bald white dude with a beard. People would slap me in <laughs> the face. You always look cool, man. Dude, that's just cause I wear cowboy hats <laughs> or whatever you know what I wear. You got a, you got a vibe. <laughs> I don't know if it's a vibe. It's a um, look. But th there it is. It's a look. That's a good way to put it. But, but dude, you're also a husband and a father. So tell us about your family. Um, I have two teenage daughters, Haley and Riley. Haley is 19 and she is at FIT, okay. Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City. She lives on campus there and she's crushing it, doing a great job. My daughter, Riley, is uh, a senior um, in um, high school, getting ready to get launched toward college. They're both saved and doing great there. That's awesome. They're they're awesome. Does Riley know what she wants to do, where she wants to go? She kind of doesn't know what she wants to do career-wise, but she is yeah. going to, she's thinking about going to school in Boston. Okay. Which I, I wish she'd live in uh, New York City <laughs> with her, her sister. Um, or she's, um, you know, thinking about going to Texas, actually, to uh, University of Texas in Austin. So, okay. Uh, yeah, dog. Yeah, uh, it's real. Yeah, you. that's real. So how long have you been married? We both have a Riley. So we do have a Riley, both of yep. us. How long have you been married? 23 years. We just celebrated our 23rd anniversary on Sweet. September 11th. Sweet. So three years. So let me ask you this. Like a lot of the things that, you know, we see in the church world is, is um, there's really good marriages and we see guys and friends of ours that have struggled in their marriage. Yeah. Um, how have you fought to keep a healthy marriage? What does that look like? Is there anything practical that you're like, man, we really settled in on this? Um, I think the date night thing is a big deal because we, you know, are very mobile in terms of connecting and meeting with people. Yeah. Um, I think one of the other things is we keep a lot of laughter in our marriage. We have a very dark sense of humor at times that I think. Yeah. Brings That's why we're friends. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you got to laugh at really dark things. And this is kind of different, but um but interesting that I think has helped our marriage a lot. We hang out with a lot of unchurched people. Yeah. 
And when you hang out with a lot of unchurched people, you have different conversations and you're not so um, in not a everything bubble. is church. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it feels like we have this sounds so rude, but it no, feels like we have it. a life, right? Like yeah. they're like we legit have friends and people yeah. that they don't care. They don't think about church. They don't mm-hmm. they're not even about that life. And for some reason, that's been therapeutic for us um, because we don't have to be on. We don't yeah. have to you know, have, um, you know, a, a little sermon. You're not, you're not Pastor Wayne everywhere you go. Nope. And it's helped our marriage because we have friends, we have legit couples um, that are just amazing people, but they don't follow Jesus yet. Yeah. Dude, I had a buddy of mine. He worked at a large church here in Atlanta and uh, he resigned and he works for a nonprofit now. And he and I were having lunch right after we resigned. And I'll never forget. He looked at me and he goes, bro, did you realize when you were in ministry, that all you ever talked about was ministry. And I go, yeah, man, I go, I've been out of it for three years now. He goes, I don't even know how I had so much ministry stuff to talk about. So true, dude, I think that's like really, really good advice because you know, most of the pastors that I know and our friends, bro, all they hang out with is other church people. And when you hang out with church people, all you talk about is church. Yeah, exactly. And what you got to prepare, like it has stretched us to have conversations that are sometimes uncomfortable. Sometimes oh, it's, yeah. it's, you know, beautiful to just be um, loved and received yeah. for not what you can do or be. But just but who you are. Who you are. Yeah, dude, I love it. Okay. So one of the other question I want to ask you is, you know, the past few years has been in America, a massive cultural war, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and one of the things that I think you and Pastor John did really well is you came out with a book called, God and race. Mm-hmm. And so can you talk about that? And how, how did you guys navigate that? You know, let's just be candid. You're a black dude from New York and Pastor John's a white dude from, from Memphis down from, you know, the South. And you guys handled that really well. And I think you really bridged a lot of gaps for people. Yeah. And so what did that look like for you? And kind of how, what advice would you have for people that are kind of still walking that line? You know, we um, when we started our friendship, our relationship back in 2017, we really started to find a lot of commonalities and um, we look for um, similarities in our in our in our worlds instead of, you know, the things that could, uh, you know, separate us. And we just started to have these really honest, open conversations about politics, about issues that were current and so on. And in the safety of that, those conversations, we developed a language, a vocabulary, if you will, on how to communicate with others that were having tensions about race. And so the whole kind of thing of black fist, white knuckles, um, you know, happened from a conversation in New York City, in Manhattan, and that we felt like both sides needed to open their hands. And I think Mm -hmm. some of the, the courage of what we were talking about was the idea that um, both parties have to open up. There's this For kind sure. of idea that, you know, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of the, of CRT and theories about who's yeah. oppressed, who's in the, the position. It's like, no, we level the playing field and we don't lift theories above good theology, For sure. uh, Christ-centered theology. And that's, that's where good. it all started. Um, and, and we didn't try to act like experts. We just tried to act like guides that are walking people through um, yeah. a conversation. And it's been successful so far. And you can get the book on Amazon, right? God and race. You can get it on Amazon.com. You can get it on BarnesandNoble.com, uh, GodandRace.com. And uh, a paperback version is getting ready to come out nice. in a few weeks. So we're excited about that. Nice, brother. Nice. Well, I mean, just, 
you know, it, watching you guys navigate that. And as your friend, you know, me knowing yeah. both you and John, like watching you guys navigate that, it was such a, a beautiful thing in the church where there was so much division during all that yeah. time. You yeah. Know? And so, you know, just on behalf of myself, like, thanks for helping another white dude figure out how to kind of walk through that stuff and have <laughs> healthy conversations in a way that, you know, uh, moved people forward and not backwards. Yeah, exactly. You know, just boiled it down. People need to listen, learn, laugh, and and really find out that there's and look into you know just what be humble. people are saying. Just be humble, man. Yeah, dude. All right. Next question. What's the hardest lesson in leadership you've had to learn? Um, the pace at which you should engage conflict. Okay. And that a conflict delayed is a conflict escalated, and oh. with a person. Say it again, preacher. A conflict delayed is a conflict escalated. Okay. So I feel like um, in a lot of ways with a personality that like mine that wants everybody to like them and, yeah. and you know, all this stuff. And the truth is, you know, I have a strength in, in um, connecting with people, yep. but an overplayed strength can become a weakness. And so I've had to learn how to confront things quick enough to be um, assertive and to manage what we're trying to do and to be gentle enough to care for the person. So did you, did yeah. you find in the past that that was like a really hard thing for you? Like, oh, you were, yeah, because when people to confront somebody, you have to deal with the risk of them leaving or not mm -hmm. doing. So then you have to ask yourself, am I a manipulator? Yeah. Is the reason why I'm not confronting this because I want them to do something and ultimately yeah. manipulating them. Right. Yeah. Well, I do. I think that's awesome that you even recognize that you, that in you, that there could be something in you that is asking yourself, like, am I doing this to manipulate somebody? Because I don't think even sometimes people don't even go there in their mind that I could not, I could be avoiding conflict because ultimately in six months, I need this person to do something. A hundred percent, especially you know what I mean? our role of, of, of leadership. It's, it's inspiring volunteers to do something for free. For for sure. So decisions that you would make if you were a CEO of some other organization are totally different because yeah. you're not, you, well, your staff, you need to do this. And yeah. so my name is at the bottom there. of your paycheck. 100%. Yeah. So yeah. when it's volunteers that you're motivating, um, I think leaders that are in nonprofits and leaders that are pastors, you need to ask yourself, um, you can, you can use the euphemism of motivation to, yeah. to, what you're doing but most of the time it could be manipulation if you're for sure I, I think it was either i attribute every leadership thing i know to either craig rochelle or Andy yes Stanley. because it's awesome yeah and one of them one of them said i can't remember this if it's inevitable it must be immediate so mm. if you know this is coming you know you have to have this talk that's you need great. to go ahead and have that talk because yeah. it's inevitable Dang, and so i gotta I write that down I wrote yours down. So <laughs> you can, you can use it. And then, you know how it is. It's like, I heard once. And then, you know, I always say. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> all right. What have you read that we should all be reading? Like, what's the last book that you're like, and it didn't even have to be, it doesn't have to be a book from the Lord. You know what uh, I mean? Like my, whatever. My, which, yeah, I've read a couple of books. Um, I think um, on the brink of everything, grace okay. Gravity and Getting Old by Parker Palmer okay, um, is amazing. And then I'm not quite sure what the predominant makeup of the audience is that we're not sure either, Wayne. Okay. <laughs> the Second Mountain by David Brooks is fascinating. Okay. Especially if um, I'm presuming that 1010 is, you know, drawing an audience of people that are climbing the second mountain of yeah. life. And 
Um, that is a secular book. If if that's even necessary to say, it's just like yeah. you know, knowledge is knowledge is it's good. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, on the brink of everything, Grace, Gravity and Getting Old was awesome because okay. it's about Parker Palmer is like 83 years old, looking back on his life, giving advice Okay. I will be ordering that. I read one kind of like that. It's called 4040 Vision. Have you oh, yeah. That? That's, yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. That's, I read <laughs> Greg Lafferty. Yeah. I think so. When I was turning 40 and he just goes through the uh, Proverbs, you know, or Solomon. Yeah. yeah. It was an amazing midlife book. And I was just like, you know, when you hit 40, I told my wife, I go, oh my God, I may have more life behind me than I do in front of me. So <laughs> and then it just strange. sends you this weird place. But I'm going to order that book. All right. So next question, and this yes. may be hard for you. What is Wayne Francis's unfair advantage? What um, is the thing? And, and it's not like there's a difference for, between being prideful and proud of something. You know what I'm saying? And I've known you for a while and dude, you're not prideful. So I'm asking you, what is it that makes you who you are and, and successful as you have become in the kingdom? And yes, we know God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, right? Like, okay, yeah. You know, I, so. I think I have an ability to bring joy to whatever context that I'm in. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think most people need joy and infusion of joy. And I think I do that well. And secondly, I think I can ask great questions. Yeah, I, I could keep a conversation going for hours. Yeah, yeah. You're you're one of the easiest people to be around. Do you know <laughs> what I'm saying? And so it, it, it's just like you and I laugh when we're together. And so it's just fun to be around you. And then when you like guide my, my son guides you fishing and y'all are hanging out I in Montana and he calls me, he's like, yo, I love Wayne Francis. <laughs> like he doesn't do that with all of my friends. I and love so, that, man. you know, as a dad, there's, there's nothing better than hearing your son loves your friends. And, yeah, uh, man. and dude, I think too, like you are, you put people at ease. I hope so, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I've never been around you one time. And you know how you get around some people and you feel like you got to turn it on? Yeah, 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 yeah. You never have once felt that way about you. Like, you put people at ease. You're great at asking questions. And dude, you're just fun to hang out with. And, Thanks, I, and I think bro. you said it earlier, bro. Like, you are good at connecting with people. Yeah, I love people, man. And it, and it goes back to me thinking, too, about how you said one of the things that you and your wife do is, is hang out with unsaved people. Dude, a lot of times unsaved people don't want to be around Christians because of the way we make me f- them feel. Percent. So there's something about you, bro, and it makes me think of Jesus was was always with the tax collector, tax yep. collectors, and the sinners, bro. And yep. so um, I would agree with you, bro. I think that is a very unfair advantage to you. Um, all right, this is a weird question. Uh, what is the what is your favorite lie to believe from the enemy? That I'm building a house of cards. Yeah that everything that I'm doing um, is going to turn into the pumpkin before midnight yeah. and I won't get to enjoy it. And at some point it's, it's Jesus Jenga. I never yeah. thought of that before. Oh, that's pretty dope. I'm going to have to like use that in a survey. That's a series, oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Jenga. It's sort of like, yeah, we're going to keep building this thing, but at some point there gonna, is something. It's going to topple. Yes. Oh my God. I have to write that down. So how do you, how do you fight that? <laughs> Um, with a lot of um, accountability with friends that um, yeah. speak into that lie, right? Like, um, because it's an insecurity. 
it's um and i think that it's an anxiety that's fueled by a whole lot of like i don't have any issues that i'm like you know like hiding or anything like that yeah yeah try to keep the invasion of light in my life but i also kind of still feel like you know I, i think it's a midlife thing too where it's like what are you really building? Exactly. Like, yeah. like, does, does this really matter? And yeah. I thought this was going to matter, but it feels different. And it's like Jesus Jenga. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if something's just going to go and yeah. everything that you hope for, you know, a diagnosis or, a, you oh, know, yeah, that's that life is fragile in that way. So I think yeah. that's what a beautiful question. What is that question again? Because I need to ask that to other people. What's your favorite lie to believe from the enemy? Oh my gosh, I got to write that down because that's what An- that- another way you could ask it is if you, if I was your enemy, how would I take you out? Okay, I got to write that down too. And so it's uh, I have a I have a list of questions I'll just send you. You can have all of them. Um, yeah, I've just I've you. just amassed them. I love that stuff. You know, like for me, I, I think it was the lie that um, this has always been my struggle. This is why I'm still in counseling. If I worked harder, God would love me more. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if I, and I know that's not biblically true, but there's something deep down inside of me, man. And my counselors are like, you know, that's not true. I go, yeah, I just don't know how to get it from my head to my heart. Like, God, if I, if I did this better or I didn't do this as much, God, you would be more proud of me. Yeah. That is the way that that is always my tension, dude, that I'm always uh, fighting with, with the Lord. Okay. How do you invest in yourself? You know, I wish I could readily say, you know, here's four things. I, yeah, yeah. I, I struggle. I'm actually in a place in my life right now where I have to really design what brings me delight. Yeah. Um, you know, I like being around people, eating and going out and um, being social. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like, I don't have a thing per se. You know, yeah. I like to fly fish once a year. I like to shop. You know, but some of the things that I like doing require money. And I'm like, I ain't got much <laughs> of that. So. That's what my wife says about everything I like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She goes, so I like, shop at Target so you can live your life. <laughs> you know what, what I'm saying? <laughs> so I I guess I, I cycle. Um, yeah. I, that's a way. Today I rode 25 miles on my bike. It was great. 25 but, uh, miles. Yeah, which is a short ride. I'm going to do 100 miles next week in a century, which I don't know. <laughs> Bro, you preparing for something we don't know? <laughs> like, I'm actually not even prepared for it. It's like just something I'm going to do. I'm just going to get out there. Are and you do road it. bike? Are you on a road, road bike? bike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I really need to sh- strategize that. And yeah. when I go on my offsite, I'm going on the offsite for two days in Colorado, like okay. next week is to pray and to meet with my coach and just kind of work through how do I, how do I design yeah. a life that, is magnetic yeah. because I'm restorative. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a good question to ask. I mean, I think even for, you know, we've all been in those seasons that we run too hard and we don't have the things that give us joy outside of, you know, right. what we do at times. And right. so I love that you're asking that question, man. So, all right, two more questions. So yesterday I interviewed the uh, provost emeritus at Southeastern University, Dr. Bill Hackett. And what I always ask the last question, so be thinking about it, is what do you want to ask the next leader on the podcast? Okay. So I asked Dr. Hackett for you, what do you want to ask the next leader on the podcast? And so this is what Dr. Hackett wanted to know. What is God saying to you right now? What is that thing that God is stirring? You kind of know it's there and you're working through it. What, what do you feel like God's saying to you? 
Um, I think I needed a heightened level of discipline to bear the weight of the beginning of a great new phase of ministry. And that uh, my strong that though it's not as natural for a, a seven on the Enneagram creative kind of dude, that there has to be this kind of new level of discipline that influences my decisions, having a rubric. Yeah. Uh, it's just a elevated, elevated level of discipline. Yeah. I think that's good, dude. I, um, yeah, I, I, I just actually had the same conversation with my wife. Uh, it's probably about two or three months ago, but I ended up because I work for a bunch of different organizations and travel a lot. I told my wife, I said, I realize that I could present myself to every person as I wanted them to see me and never be completely honest with who I am. Yeah. So I created, yeah. I created a personal board that I submit myself to my wife is on it. Yeah. And so I have a, like an accountability sheet of things I'm trying to do in my life. Yep. And these guys hold me accountable to it. Oh, that's amazing. And my wife is on the text thread. Wow. So if I'm like, Hey, I don't want to do this, or I do want to do this. There's still this tendency. I mean, I want them to think highly of me. Of course. So there's still this little tendency to lie. You know what I mean? Which, yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course. She's not letting me slip. She's on that thing. And Thank uh, God for a good woman, bro. I, I, uh, I really respect you for that, that, that you're wrestling with, man. I think for where God is calling me, there's a new level of discipline uh, yep. that he has placed in my life. Um, so the last question is this, what's the one question you would want to ask the next leader on the podcast? If you were a song, what would be the title of the song that you'd want to be? And would people, would people actually sing it? Would it be a hit? How would it make people feel? Would it make them free? Would it make them sad? Would it make them inspired? Okay. Yeah. That's probably going to be the weirdest question that we get this season. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you because I know who I'm interviewing next. And he's going to be like, what in the world? <laughs> and you know him. So I'm having him call you afterwards. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Um, bro, thank you. So what, let me ask you, what, would you, what song would you be? I'd probably be the X Factor by Lauren Hill. Okay. Or I'd have to write an original. But okay. Yeah, that's the yeah. song. That song is like if I was a song, that's what I would be. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, Wayne, bro, love you so much. Thank you on behalf of everyone listening. Thank you for, on behalf of me and Tyler for taking a shout few out Tyler. Shout yeah, out dude. Tyler. Uh, for being on the 1010 podcast, uh, bro. I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you for loving my boy, my son and, uh, being an influence in his life. And thanks for, uh, just taking the time, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. We could carry each other, carry each other. That's what we're meant to do. We could, we could. So